Welcome to Eureka Street Crypto. This is my anti-professional crypto channel. I'm just a barely sane dude who fell down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole. This channel is my fumbling attempt to communicate myself outside my own head about my journey in the crypto space. It is basically my brain dump. None of this is actual financial advice. Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting from Leander, Texas. It is 5.48 in the morning on May 3rd, 2022. It is episode number 454, and it is Tuesday. Yep. Um, so we're in May. You know, um, April seems to have been kind of a, a crabby market, um, meaning moving sideways, skittering like a little crab. <laughs> You know, that's, yeah, but, uh, and it, there's been a lot of hacks. Um, it's been, there's been a lot of dips. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people, if you're new to the crypto space and this is your first dip or downturn or bear market, well, welcome to it. Um, you know, this time last year, crypto and Bitcoin and everything was just blowing and going and we hit all time highs right about April and May. So, uh, if you jumped into crypto during that time, you've pretty much just seen nothing but mostly downhill <laughs> from that point. But, uh, you know, that's what happens, you know, in 2018, um, what was it? Bitcoin went, I can't remember what, what the peak was at that time, but it dropped, um, from like, I don't know, maybe somewhere around like 13,000 to 3000 or something like that. I don't know. It was pretty, it was pretty dramatic and significant. Uh, I'll have to go back and look at it. But um, yeah, anyway, this is my video blog, aka Brain Dump. This is my time in the morning to just vent and talk about some crypto stuff and get it out of my system before I go to work. Um, I drive an hour and 15 minutes to work each way. And uh, yeah, it's a lot. And I you know spend all day doing other stuff. And I don't want to harass people about crypto. I don't want to be that guy. But um, yeah, this is my way, my message in a bottle to get it out there and to be able to uh, build myself a little crypto community. And I've been successful at that. I've met a lot of people in this crypto space. I've interviewed people, um, had them on the show, had people DM and and, and uh, advise me on certain different types of projects, giving me some alpha tips uh, to be able to talk about. So I appreciate all that. And uh, that's why I do it. You know, I'm not really here. I'm not sponsoring. I'm not sponsored by anybody. I'm not shilling anything. So, you know, and I'm not uh, here to teach you. This is not a, a teaching session. This is not financial advice and is not fundamental uh, is not technical analysis um so yeah it's not even educational material all right so anyway let's go to the old coin gecko and see what we have going on here um coin gecko is uh looking kind of red today let me just refresh this page see if anything happened i got my old kombucha tea here cayenne cleanse it's pretty good man put some hair on your chest it's got a little kind of clears the sinuses <sighs> and um uh, I got a banana. We're going to open that bad boy. Um, so everything's looking a little red over the past seven days. If you see that third column over there. Um, yeah, nothing but red. Nothing but red. Uh, except for Tron, which is weird. Up 9.6%. I don't know why Tron's up. Um, but, uh, you know, um, ApeCoin's been having a bunch of drama lately. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really up to speed on everything happening over there. Uh, but ApeCoin is the the token for the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT and them moving into 
their own metaverse world and they had a big land sale apparently a bunch of stuff went wrong and it wasn't pretty um like i said i don't know a whole lot about that um so let's take a look at some of the, the top ones here bitcoin is at thirty eight thousand four hundred and forty eight dollars and seventy eight cents Ethereum is at $2,832.21. No, $2, uh, BNB, the Binance token, yeah, yeah. Uh, $387.49. Um, XRP, $0.61. Cents. Solana, $87.56, down 13.6% in the past week. Terra, $84.29, $84.29, down 13.1% in the past week. Uh, Cardano, $0.78, cents, down 12.5% in the past week. Um, let's see, we hear the doge, um, 13 cents down 17.1% in the past week in polka dot 1494 down 17.6% avalanche $60 and 57 cents. That's one of the lowest I've seen it in a while down 16.8%. Um, the sheebs, you know, it's always some weird number. Well, way, way, way below zero. It's down 15.1%. Also, um, uh, we have Polygon, $1.10, down 18%. Kronos for the Crypto.com chain, down 27.8%. So, man, everything has just tanked. Uh, Chainlink, down 16.6% at $11.22. It has not reached single digits yet. Um, and what else do we have um, that stands out at me? I like Theta Network. That's down 22% at $2.35. And... Um, yeah, man, <laughs> everything's looking pretty gnarly. Um, you know, it, what it do, you know, but you know what? I still have faith in this crypto market. I have faith in the Web3 movement. Um, you know, I, 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 I haven't really looked at prices that much, honestly. Um, I, I know a lot of people say they look at CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap on their phones like 20 times a day. I used to, you know, and I used to buy every token that I, I looked at because it was just crazy. And you read the white paper and you get all stoked on it and you collect them like a bunch of merit badges and your merit badge sash going across your chest. And you have a billion of these tokens in your wallet. And uh, I've, I've learned, you know, the hard way several times. Um, that's not necessarily always the wise thing to do or the wise thing to do um, is to just collect a bunch of tokens. Uh, so yeah, a lot of them, uh, have gone to absolute zero. I have made a few, you know, some decent money off of a, f a few like gems that spiked up and then dropped down. For instance, the BitTorrent token, um, when it very, when it first came out, I, I bought a bunch and it spiked up dramatically and I sold right at the top. Um, I, I flawless execution on that one. It was absolutely not. Uh, according to my skill and it was not according to my plan but um yeah that was one that i did very well on it was just a fluke it happened and uh hey man and i so <laughs> whatever all right um today it's tuesday let's talk you know let's call it uh, twitter tuesday you know there's been a lot of stuff going on with twitter you know with elon musk buying it and all that stuff twitter's a good space you know i i, I like twitter for crypto you know and uh it is what it is for crypto, um, but I, I find a lot of good stuff on there. And one of the reasons that I have faith in crypto still, regardless of all this dip and this crab market and all this FUD going around, which FUD stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. For those of you who are not familiar with the crypto space, 
And we've seen a lot of institutional uh, FUD coming from the institutions towards Bitcoin. And uh, in my, if you watch my last episode, I explained that very clearly, how a lot of the institutions uh, do not want you and I to have our autonomous financial freedom. And so Bitcoin, it brings that autonomous financial freedom. And they definitely do not want us um, to be able to keep that Bitcoin. So they're spreading a bunch of, there's, there's a lot of FUD being spread. Uh, you have the World Economic Forum trying to suggest that Bitcoin needs to change its code, which is ridiculous because Bitcoin is run by a bunch of uh, nodes and they have Bitcoin improvement protocols that need to be voted on anonymously. Um, and then if it even is ever changed, all that would be is just a fork of Bitcoin. And if you look, um, well, you don't really see it so much anymore. But it used to be up in the top like 20, there used to be a bunch of Bitcoin forks. And what do I mean by fork? Okay, when you make a dramatic change to the code, um, it creates a fork. And a fork is, is basically an entirely new blockchain. And a lot of times the original blockchain just carries on. And that's what happened back in like, what, 2016, I believe, to Ethereum. So, and that created an Ethereum Classic. They had the big DAO hack. And the, and Ethereum is, de they wanted it to be as decentralized as possible. That's the ethos of Ethereum. It's the ethos of Bitcoin. It's the ethos, it's, it should be the ethos of every single blockchain out there. Um, well, not blockchain, but every every cryptocurrency i guess you know you can use blockchain without it being a cryptocurrency but anyway the point is is ethereum was supposed to be decentralized they had a dao and um, a dao is a decentralized autonomous organization which acted as the treasury and everybody um you know would vote and for for the protocol actions and stuff like that and it somehow got hacked and it was being drained right before their eyes. And uh, the entire Ethereum uh, developers and everybody um, working on Ethereum was watching this wallet be drained. And they had to make a decision. They had to make a decision quick. Do they compromise on decentralization and shut down the hack? And, uh, you know, basically fork off the blockchain and create a new version of Ethereum from then on? Or do they keep what allow what was going on with the hack and continue in the spirit of decentralization. Well, they had a lot of money in there for the time and um, they, they ended up taking some decisive action and forking it off and creating Ethereum as we know it. And the original one is left there as Ethereum classic. And um, a lot of people criticize, especially Bitcoin maximalists that say that Ethereum compromised on uh, its decentralization and therefore it will never be a centralized blockchain. It will never be superior to Bitcoin and, it, you know, yada, yada, all those all that stuff. Um, I mean, Bitcoin has had its own points of failure as well in the past with some kind of uh, Bitcoin improvement protocol compromises and stuff like that. Um, but. You know, so Ethereum led to that fork. And so the Ethereum you use now today is the fork of the Ethereum Classic. And then so a lot of people also in the past have felt like they need to improve Bitcoin. So they created Bitcoin Cash. Um, there's there's Dogecoin is a fork of Bitcoin. Yeah, Litecoin is a fork of Bitcoin in order to create faster transactions. Um, let's see what else. So there's there's been things like uh, uh 
uh, Bitcoin Diamond. There's Bitcoin Gold. And what was the other one? Bitcoin SV. Yeah, B Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. Um, <laughs> brought about by Craig Wright, who claimed to be Bitcoin, you know, Satoshi, which is Satoshi is the original founder of Bitcoin. So there's been a lot of forks. Um, and so the World Economic Forum, going back to that, saying that, you know, Bitcoin needs to change its code in order to be environmentally friendly. You know, they say, look at proof of stake. You know, you know proof of stake is only uses a fraction of the energy that proof of work does. And and with a slight change of code, da, 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 you know, we can make Bitcoin green friendly. No, that's called a fork. And you see what happens when forks happen. Uh, really, the, as far as I know, the only fork that has been quote unquote successful has been the Ethereum fork. Um, but then people argue that Ethereum is not as centralized as Bitcoin. So, you know, I don't know. There's a whole lot of different ways to look at it. But a lot of Bitcoiners, they say, go ahead, fork it. See what happens, World Economic Forum. And I don't trust the World Economic Forum at all. Um, and if they were to fork it, I wouldn't be buying that. I'd be buying the original Bitcoin because <laughs> it would be carrying on. And I think that's what would happen. Um, anyway, so, yeah, enough about that. Um I, uh, let's see on the Twitter, in the Twitter space, I bookmarked, um, a chain link, uh, takeaway article here by, uh, Bubba Fox link takeaways from Sergey fireside chat two weeks ago. And, uh, here's the article where he got it from. And this happened at South by Southwest. This was, um, I get, I mean, South by Southwest was in mid March. So this is probably a little old, but some takeaways from it, um, this is why I still have faith in crypto and in Web3, regardless of all this crabby market and this weirdness and this FUD and all this stuff, is because I'm not in it for the price action right now. Um, you know, I'm trying to see this as um, a new dot-com era, a new um, ushering in of the internet, except now this is the ushering in of the new internet, of Web 3.0. And... Uh, there are so many advantages to this of users owning their own data and, and um, yeah. So let's, let's, let's read some of these key takeaways from Sergey Nazarov South by Southwest fireside chat with Ash Bennington. Um, so the annual South by Southwest film festival in Austin, Texas, right around the corner from me um, is known for featuring the latest and most celebrated in film music and technology. Actually, I'm in the suburbs. It's, you know, about 20 minutes away, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know if you want to get technical um, at this year's event, Chainlink co-founder co Sergey Nazarov joined Real Vision's host Ash Bennington for a virtual fire, fireside chat, illuminating how Chainlink's decentralized Oracle infrastructure enables Web3 and its cross-chain interoperability protocol, the CCIP. And uh, Chainlink has come out, you know, last year with Chainlink 2.0 and, um, Chainlink has been weird, man. It kind of just lingers for a while and it'll spike up and then it'll dip back down about halfway. I'm talking about price wise. You know, I've been in Chainlink since I first started getting into crypto is one of the first crypto projects I put money into. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I guess it's sitting at $11. I, I got in well before $11. So I guess I'm doing okay. But a lot of people have pretty much been wrecked on a lot of stuff because it did get up pretty high up, you know, so... Um, but I, I think that I don't know what is going on. Um, there might be some manipulation, but, um, the people have been waiting for chain link staking and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things on hold for that, but you have a lot of very high up people who have gotten involved in the chain link, the company, you know, such as Eric Schmidt, you know, one of 
the uh, was he an ex CEO of Google, I believe. Um, yeah, so you get people like that that jump in to the and and go to work at Chainlink, and uh, Ari Jules, you know, that go to work at Chainlink, and uh, yeah, you know they're not playing around, and so price is like the last thing that they're thinking about. They're they're working on projects and they're developing. So anyway, they've created this cross chain interoperability protocol because as you know or you may not know, um, in crypto there are a lot of different layer one blockchains. You have you know Bitcoin, you have Ethereum, you have um, Avalanche, you have uh, Cardano, you have you know uh, you know you can go on and on with all these different blockchains eos you know you have um i mean i'm, I'm phantom yeah um, um harmony yeah, just tons of different blockchains out there that are layer one blockchains all right and uh, that normally people would say they're all competing i wouldn't say they're necessarily competing i I think that they each have their own niche and their their specialization. They have different levels of centralization. Um, you know, some don't have very many nodes at all for the consensus network, and some have a lot of nodes. You know, like Bitcoin has like almost fifteen thousand nodes. You know, so it's the most decentralized blockchain. Where another blockchain, like um, I don't know, say for Arc for instance, Arc blockchain would be very good for the internet, but it's not really that centralized, you know? Um, but for things like the metaverse and stuff like that, where you need like real-time transactions and uh, yeah, in, in a proof of stake system, you know, that that's something that's good. So it really depends on what your needs are. And, you know, so a lot of people will say, oh, there's these blockchain wars, you know, they're all, they're not all competing. They each have their own special little functions and reasons for being there and reasons for doing what they do. Um, so that's the way I see it. But um, anyway, so Chainlink is not really a blockchain. Chainlink is what's called an oracle. And an oracle is a piece of code, you know, a tokenized piece of code that will um, uh, allow data from the real world to be funneled into the blockchain. So say, for instance, look over here at these prices on CoinGecko. How do these prices get here? Where do they get this information? Um, they have a bunch of different sources and all those sources, um, th they uh, report their information um, through via Chainlink, via Chainlink nodes, right? And uh, those Chainlink nodes pick up the information and they send it to the blockchain. Um, and then CoinGecko uses an, a Chainlink Oracle to pick up that information and adjust it in real time. And so all that information is being funneled to the blockchain via Chainlink. So that's pretty fascinating. And you know, it's it's, it's how real time. Uh, information can can get there and say for instance you have weather data you know and you have an insurance company on the blockchain that issues automatic payouts depending on in the real-time information it gets well it could use Chainlink as these the oracle in order to be able to funnel that data to the uh, to the insurance company blockchain to make to trigger smart contracts to issue real-time payouts so you don't have to go through that long tenuous you know application and talk to a, an, an insurance adjuster and all that and all that information uh, you can get um, real-time payouts due to real-time information that gets funneled into the blockchain via Chainlink. So that's one benefit of Chainlink. However, uh, Chainlink has been on the Ethereum blockchain 
um, for the most part, their 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 token, the chainlink token that is used as the reward system for the for the nodes that gather the information. Um, that that token is the reward, you know, and the value of that token, you know, the people that like that use chainlink pay in the link token, right? Okay, so. The, the problem is, is you have a lot of information coming from a lot of different blockchains and it's hard for a lot of those blockchains to talk to each other. So, cause they're, they're, they're in silos. So if you imagine, or skyscraper, imagine a skyscraper, you, you know, like the Detroit, um, uh, GM building, I believe that's what it, the, the car company. And you see that building in Detroit. Hey, let me see if I can pull it up. Um, Detroit GM building. All right. And you have that building and you have the middle building and you have four other or three other little skyscrapers around it. And, you know, they all go upwards and you can imagine maybe the center building has the executive group and then maybe, you know, one of the other. There it is. Yeah. So here's here's the, the GM building. And look at this. You know, I'll, I'll just find a good picture of it. This building right here, you know, is where all the corporate management sits, you know, and then over here you have uh, engineering you know, and over here in this other building, you would have sales, you know, and so everything's siloed up, you know, and uh, you'd in order to get from one building to another, you would if you were at the top floor of the, of the sales building, you'd have to go down the elevator, you know, then you have to go talk to engineering, you walk across the food court here, you know, and get and, you know, grab yourself a Cinnabon, you know, and then you go up all the way to the engineering floor if you want to make and talk to engineering about any decisions. And that's a long call on hold, you know, hold on, I don't really know if we can supply that part. I have to talk to engineering to see if we have that capability. Can you, uh, can I call you back? Uh, okay. And then right there at that callback process is might be where you lose a customer. Cause that's where somebody with instant information can step in and take that sale away from you. Um, so anyway, yeah, yeah. Like I said, you have to go down the elevator across the food court, grab your Cinnabon, then go all the way up to engineering. Then once you get your information, go all the way down the elevator, go back, uh, take a poop from that Cinnabon and the food court, and then go all the way back up to your sales department. So yeah. Um, that those are the silos that exist from blockchain to blockchain. And if you want to transfer money from one blockchain to another blockchain, you have to basically sell that token uh, down at the base level in the little market square. And then you have to buy the other blockchains token. And a lot of times, you know, with exchange rates, that doesn't always pan out. They do have bridges. So you can imagine sky bridges going across back and forth. But the security of bridges, you know, if you walk across a glass bridge, that's kind of scary. You know, same thing with jumping across bridges in the the, the crypto world. You know, uh, it can be kind of scary. There's been a lot of bridge hacks. Um, so, you know, look at the Solana hack, the wormhole hack. That was a bridge hack. Um, I believe the Ronin uh, hack was recently for $600 million was a, was a hack, a bridge hack as well. Um, so yeah, you know, bridges are a scary place. I don't know if you, you know, have a phobia of big, tall bridges, but uh, I know uh, Houston and Louisiana has their fair share of extremely high bridges that those big flyover overpass things. Um, so yeah. Um, anyway, well, I, I got to get back on the topic. So let's go back to this article. So Chainlink has created this cross-chain interoperability protocol being engineered as a secure abstraction layer that connects legacy, legacy to web systems to a new world of Web3. So you can imagine already blockchains not be really being able to talk to each other. So Web2 systems 
you know, can definitely are, are having a hard time talking to Web3 systems. Um, so can you imagine LinkedIn trying to go to Web3? You know, and, you know, everybody having their profile and then that'd be cool. Them create a little wallet capability in which you could plug in your wallet and your decentralized ID to a LinkedIn um, you know, platform. I don't really love LinkedIn, but, uh, you know, it's just a thought. So, sorry, I got off on the tangent of different blockchains being able to talk to each other. But the CCIP, the cross-chain interoperability protocol, is engineered as, as a sub secure abstraction layer that connects legacy Web 2 systems to the new world of Web 3. So here's seven uh, conversation key takeaways. All right. So one, Web 3's fundamental paradigm shift is about reinventing uh, how people form relationships with each other and with institutions. Um, smart contracts powered by Chainlink oracles can replace agreements based on institutional promises with agreements that are guaranteed by cryptography. So no longer do you have to trust the other entity. Um, everything is there written in code and uh, you know cannot be compromised um, because it is uh, done cryptographically. Okay, so number two, uh, Sergey Nazarov envisions CCIP as the tipping point that will bring Web3 systems to parity with the speed, efficiency, and composability of Web2 systems. Um, because one of the drawbacks of Web3 right now is that it is slow, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it, and gas is high too if you're on the Ethereum network. So um, CCIP will bring Web3 systems to parity with that speed, efficiency, and composability of Web2. And by composability, I mean being able to take one application and bring it into another application. Say, for instance, if you're a web developer and you use a stock market ticker widget, right? And that widget you plug into your news page, and uh, that is composability. You being able to use that, uh, that little graph that has real-time information being fed to it from the stock market and say you are a newspaper website... And that, that little stock market ticker is made by an entirely different company. It's made by an entirely different group. But you are able to plug that widget into your website. So, yes, you are able to use um, the product of a completely separate company to plug in. And Web 2 has a bunch of comp composability uh, things about it. But Web 3 is also starting to have a bunch of composability as well. And you see a lot of this happening in DeFi. You know, for instance, you know, some protocol may use Aave as um, part of their um, DeFi system. And Aave is where you can lock up your 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 uh, uh, crypto in order to borrow against it. You know, so you know a bunch of these different DeFi protocols may be able to mix together and create a very streamlined DeFi protocol uh, in order to maximize your savings and your ability to borrow as well. So yeah, there's that's that's composability as well. So anyway, number three, mainstream adoption of Web three systems is likely to accelerate as more people become sensitive to inflation and more centralized systems. Robinhood uh, and Evergrande fail to uphold their promises so yeah um you know just look at inflation and i have more and more people hitting me up every single day uh asking me about crypto bitcoin where the best place to start is you know i, I get the when i start getting the texts and the dms from the normies um, asking me about where to start in crypto what the best thing is um you know a lot of times they ask me about mining and stuff like that and i, I i'm like 
just you got to learn the system first before you start jumping into a lot of that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I honestly, uh, I, I try to teach them the difference between, you know, holding your keys uh, to your crypto versus it being on a centralized exchange. Yeah. You know? Um, as far as going, buying from uh, your dollars or your fiat currency to crypto in the first place, I mean, I don't know. For me, crypto.com is a good place to start for that. And then from there, you can take just be sure to take it off of those centralized exchanges and and uh, learn how to custody your own crypto um, because those centralized exchanges are very compromising places to be. Um, so. Anyway, so number four, Chainlink approaches cross-chain interoperability as a matter of communication, not just movement between chains. Um, so yeah, it's not just about going between chains. It's it's also a matter of communication. It's not just about going from silo from building to building. Um, it, it is being able to communicate. So Nazarov said CCIP is intended to be a future-proof standard for cross-chain communication analogous to the early internet's global TCIP communication standard. Now imagine if the very first people or person that invented TCPIP were to have tokenized that. My God, that person would be the richest person in the world, wouldn't they? Um, so now they are tokenizing a new set of communication standards. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what they're trying to do with CCIP. And, uh, and it's tokenized. And you can have a part of that by owning Chainlink. So anyway, number five, CCIP will apply the same Chainlink Oracle network that secured over $75 billion in smart contracts at the end of 2021 to a communication standard that is resistant to adverse events like the recent $375 million wormhole token bridge exploit that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, it, Chainlink secured over $75 billion in smart contracts, um, and it's resistant to these types of bridge attacks. So, yeah, you know, it's another reason to, to trust in the security of the CCIP. Uh, the goal of CCIP is to allow Web3 developers to create cross-chain smart contracts utilizing different blockchains optimized to perform particular tasks. Um, these consumer-friendly cross-chain smart contracts would replicate Web2 applications like Uber that incorporate numerous different APIs. So there's been an issue like a lot of developers would create a smart contract on one blockchain, but it's not really interoperable with another blockchain. Uh, what CCIP does, it allows the communication between those two blockchains to happen, and it allows the Web3 developers to create those smart contracts to be able to interact with two very different blockchains. Um, you know, so, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to just create... A, so imagine if you had a website that only worked with Google Chrome. And if you were uh, to... Yeah, uh, that's a bad example. But imagine if Chrome wasn't interoperable. If, if you know... Uh, okay, no. Imagine if you had a website, sorry, that that only worked on Apple computers, right? And Macs. And then, you know, you have a PC and you could not log in to that website 
or you could not pull up that website on your PC because it was built by somebody using a Mac, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of a similar, you know, it's all the really rough analogy, but um, it, it's a similar situation as uh, what we're seeing on a lot of these, you know, dApps and stuff like that and the ability to be able to connect to them. Um, so the goal of CCPIP, CCP, CCCP, it's not Russia in 1980s. Uh, the goal of CCIP is to allow Web3 developers to create cross-chain smart contracts utilizing different blockchains optimized to perform particular tasks. So it could go across different blockchains. Um, then number seven, enterprises like big businesses will be able to integrate CCIP as an abstraction layer that allows legacy infrastructure to seamlessly interface with different chains through one framework. Um, I pretty much just said that. Satisfying what Nazaroff believes will be an inevitable increase in users' demand for DeFi. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, those are seven really good takeaways. Um, if I will link this in the video description and, um, you know, this interview is right here on, on this YouTube. I highly suggest you watch it. Um, let's see where are we at. Um, okay. Well, man, I already got to 32 minutes. I didn't think I would have anything to talk about today. And I didn't even touch the infinite move machine movie that I wanted to talk about. Um, they, they've announced, you know, who's going to be the director of this. And I, I, I think they're casting it right now. This is the NFT movie. Uh, infinite machine is a book right here. I read it by Cami Russo. Um, basically talks about the history of Ethereum, you know, and how the, all the, this crypto movement started. It's a really good book. They're making a movie out of it. Uh, I'll talk about this next time. I want to go into some more details about it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool project, and they're funding the end the movie by NFTs. All right, man. Um, yeah, so that being said, let me get out of this. Uh, and, Welcome um, to Eureka Street Crypto. Why is this? Uh, this is shoot. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. The outro always, the intro always starts every time I switch screens. I got to fix that. Um, all right, so yeah, I got to get to work. Um, CEO is there today, so I got to be on my best behavior. Um, all right, I will talk to you uh, next time. T talk to you when I talk to you, man. All right. Later. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1, that's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.